Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Years Away. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying uh, a fantastic weekend this weekend. I am uh, here with everyone's favorite co-host, Brett. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. How are you doing on this fine uh, Saturday morning as we're recording this year? Um, you know, things are, things are going okay. It's very snowy, uh, and I don't really like it because no one seems to bother shoveling. And full disclosure, Brett is not in Texas right now, in case you were curious. Uh, but anyone who is listening in Texas who might have thought that that was the case just want to dispel that quickly. Brett, are you on your way to Cancun sometime soon? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I, I do not think that that would be a very prudent idea. All right. Well, that ends the, uh, the political <laughs> segment of two years away here. Um, we've got a packed uh, podcast today. We're going to talk about the uh, highly contentious NBA All-Star game that's coming up, as well as some of the surprising headlines that are developing as we wrap up the, the first half of the season here in the coming weeks. Uh, but first, as we do every podcast, we are going to start with uh, the rising segment our run the damn ball segment which for first time listeners this is the segment where we talk about the things we do in our life to you know to run the damn ball meaning the the simple humble things that you know get stuff done that allow you to do kind of better things later on so <laughs> so yeah uh that's what this segment's all about um uh, i'm really excited for mine but brett i want to hear yours first Ooh, wow, I got I got a lot to live up to, I guess. Um, so as as I mentioned, it's been it's been pretty snowy here in in undisclosed location, um, and as a, as a result, and as, especially because like some people really don't like clearing their sidewalks, um, it's been harder for me to get out and run um, because the last time I tried to run, it was still snowing and I slipped and almost fell into a building. Um, oh my gosh, are you okay? I was fine. I was able to catch myself on the building, but it was like, all right, I need to really reevaluate the. Uh, smartness of doing this right now. So I've mostly been staying inside and doing, I've been doing a lot of yoga. So that's been, that's been how I've been running the damn ball. And I'll explain how it's both good for right now. And it's a way to set up the play action for the future. Um, because right now, like it's good, you know, it's, it's harder to get outside, especially I'm in, I'm in school, like not a ton of time. So I can throw on, throw on a video. I'm, I'm partial to yoga with Adrian. Um, she's great. Um, very easy for beginners like myself. Um, if you want, you know, easy, easy, uh, easy yoga. Um, but it's, it's great. It's very relaxing. You get a pretty good workout in. Um, and it's, it's very just a way to kind of feel like you're, you're doing something, even if you're not leaving the, the house that day. Um, and it sets up good for the future because it's really good as a way to work on your stretching and flexibility and, and overall body strength for running, which when I get back in, you know, get back into it when it gets a little warmer, when the snow disappears, um, so it'll increase the longevity and just kind of overall strength uh, for a good season of running ahead. So you know, that's, how, that's how I'm running the damn ball. That's uh, that's shockingly similar to mine, uh, but not <laughs> completely similar. But actually, I, funny story. Uh, Thursday, it was like the first day in a while when it wasn't A, snowing, or B, like below 10 degrees outside. <laughs> I, I ventured outside um, in the early evening for uh, a run. Uh, and, you know, was wearing a lot of layers, but the thing that's actually pretty cool is, so they've, they've, uh, they've shoveled the, the lakefront trail, at least in, in parts of it, in parts of it north of, of North Avenue Beach, and 
it's actually pretty cool when it's dark outside because and there's snow on the ground because it it feels like it's a little bit of light it's a little bit lighter because of the the reflection of the snow and it was actually like it was actually like pretty sweet to to be out there there were there was there were you know definitely a fair amount of people out there too um so that was that was a a fun little surprise this week <laughs> but for how high I've been running the damn ball um in a less glamorous way I've been uh I've been doing a lot of treadmill running mm. and be the first to tell you that there's nothing glamorous about about getting on a treadmill you know I don't think anyone would describe it as fun um and you know but does it serve a purpose yes uh, it serves a purpose you know you can actually work on your speed a little bit um and i think the you can also kind of trick yourself into running longer than you think if you have a tv near it and just kind of get lost in whatever you're watching so um you know usually in the winters if it gets up above like 30 degrees it's you know like I'll I'll find myself running outside and be okay with it, but we've been in a, a cold stretch here in Chicago, so I haven't really gotten outside in a few weeks. And you know the treadmill the treadmill is has been what I've uh, needed to just kind of keep getting three yards in a cloud of dust. And so, you know, do it on first down, do it on second down, and you know, draw an offsides penalty, and you just do it again, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that I like that you don't even consider uh, the potential that you'll hit a receiver downfield. It's just Three, four, five yards at a time, and and we're rolling. Uh, yeah. So that concludes. Uh, that I truly concludes. love. I truly love what this segment has become. Just fully, fully unironically, it's great. Well, we we know that Brett's a fan. Uh, we hope you all are a fan too. Um, so feel free to send us your uh, how you've been running the ball lately. Brett will tell you what email to send it to or how to tweet us. Oh wow, we're doing we're doing this pitch early. I like it. Uh, we're mixing it up. Uh, yeah, so if you if you want, you can you can send us an email two years away pod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at two underscore years underscore away. Uh, and you know, throw us throw us a, a five star review on on iTunes or your podcast service of choice, uh, so we can keep bringing you guys the content you deserve. Patreon link will be coming later. Awesome. Now on to the actual basketball content. So I. Uh, we, uh, if you, whether you're familiar or not, uh, the NBA All-Star starters were released earlier this week. Um, the votes came in and they were tabulated and the rosters were released. And um, uh, the reserves will come out uh, soon. But what we thought we would do at, at two years away today is, um, given that, you know, we all know that there's flaws in the and the voting system for the starters that the NBA currently employs, we thought we would give you our our idea of the true all-stars. And so we put together our own uh, lineups, um, which, you know, I, I will speak from experience. It was not, it was not easy. It was not fun. Um, some tough decisions had to be made. But um, keep in mind, we're doing this all for you. Um, so I was going to say, I think, I think this is kind of fun. <laughs> a little bit fun. But remember, <laughs> we're doing this for you so that when you're engaged in whatever uh, debate uh, you might be engaged in, whether that's uh, at the dinner table with a family member or in whatever online forums you guys choose to participate in, it is, this is to make sure that you are fully educated uh, to partake in those conversations. Um, so, you know what? I think I'll 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 start us off here, and, and we'll go ahead and start in the East. Um, I'm gonna I'll reveal my lineup for, first, at least for the starters, and then Brett, maybe you can 
you can uh, rebut with your view of the starters in the East, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, and again, all these were tough decisions, some harder than others, but I had Kyrie as my starting point guard and, and Beal as the, the other guard. Um, you know, Beal leading the league in scoring right now, and Kyrie killing it with the, with the Nets. And so, um, you know, point guard, kind of a, a difficult position this year for sure, but I, I thought those two were, were pretty clear-cut. And then, really, the, the next three, I think, were, were also relatively clear-cut in terms of, you know, them being the best players at their position this year. Um, Durant at shooting guard, Giannis at uh, Durant small forward, uh, Giannis at power forward, and Embiid at center. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the only difference in our in our Eastern starting lineup is the fact that I just did it based on more of the criteria. It's like guard, wing, big that we've kind of seen the last few years, but I did have the exact same starting roster. I I, I really. Because you you know you're I feel like when when you do something like this you're always kind of looking for a contrarian angle. It's like well maybe this guy's better in like one thing and like his team is a little bit. Better. It's like no, there's there's really I don't think at least for starters you could really make a case that one of because I, I I like this take that I mean a little little bit of tangent here but Zach Lowe I think for a few years has always had the the attitude of all right you can you can say someone doesn't belong on. The, the all-star team, all NBA, whatever, but you have to actually say who you would replace him with. And I think that's a very good thing because otherwise you're just kind of like, Oh dude, I hate Kevin Durant. Like screw him. I'm not putting on my all-star team, but like, who would you replace him with? So I think, you know, running that test for all these guys, like it, it didn't make any sense to, to have anyone replaced in the starting lineup. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, this is the same, you know, for the East, these are the same, this is this is what the fans voted on too. So, you know, we are in um, we are in agreement for the most part there. Um, but I think where things are going to get interesting in the East, which we can move to next, is is when we talk about the reserves. And so maybe we can go sort of position group by position group here. But I I have my seven other guys that I think are the most deserving for. Uh, four spots. So maybe, how about this? How about we do, let's do bigs first. Because mm-hmm. it gets interesting when you get to wings and guards. But um, I have three bigs in my, like three like clear-cut bigs in my seven reserves. And they are Nikola Vucevic, Andre Drummond, and Julius Randle. Um, who, who do you have who are big men in your reserve group? So I also have three, um, and I also have Julius Randle and Nikola Vucevic. Um, but I, instead of Drummond, I have Bam Adebayo. Interesting. Okay, that was so. To be clear, you had if if you had to pick him, you would have had Sabonis as a big, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the most interesting. So the the the. The Bam Drummond thing in its own right is interesting. I, I believe Drummond is leading the league in rebounds now, which is the main reason why I picked him. I mean, he's that it's, it's, it's something like seventeen and thirteen. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, you're, I, you know, I'm not going to put up a huge argument against that. But I, I think people in Indiana like are really trying to get Sabonis to the All Star game, and like I just. I don't see how you make an argument for him over Drummond or Bam. 
Yeah, I think I don't know. I, I I don't know that I considered Drummond as much as I should have because I think my my last big spot came down to um, Avusevic and and uh, Sabonis. But yeah, I think I mean part of it. Part of it's got to be the fact that like the Pacers. I mean, first of all, I feel like Pacers fans care way more about All Star appearances than a bunch. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not even trying to poke fun at them. It's just like that's a thing they that people care about. Um, but yeah, I, I, and part of it is tied to the fact that, you know, the Pacers are outperforming expectations so, so far. And, you know, they just look more, enter- they're, they're more entertaining to watch this year than they have, than they were at any point under Nate McMillan. Right. And I think they have, it's, it's one of those teams where it's like a group of really, a, a group of a good players without a true star. And Sabonis is just kind of the by default the best player on that team, so there's that. Hence the push. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and I think, yeah, the wires get mixed up a little bit, especially with like, you know, with the trade that took place with them in the middle of the year. Honestly, like I've watched a couple of games of his, and like, yeah, he's getting the volume there, but I haven't been like super. His eye test hasn't been super impressive for me this year. Um, but you know, yeah, he's he's scoring a ton of points, obviously. Um, just on, on sheer volume. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, as far as, okay, so for me, for guards and wings, so I kind of have two two guards left and two wings. So I have Trey Young and Zach Levine as my two guards. And then on the wings, and I think this one is is what might lead to some further discussion. So I have Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. And the, the, the guy that was hardest for me to leave off was Jalen Brown. But when you look at basically all the efficiency measures, Tatum beats Brown for me. And that's basically what that decision came down to. Interesting. So we really, we really, uh, we really differ here. Um, so I, I, we, I was similar. I did put Zach Levine in the all-star game. Um, it's, you know, the, 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 the numbers, the numbers prove it. Um, He's heavy. He's having a hell of a year. Um, for my other guard spot, I put James Harden. I just, I mean, mostly because I think that's what's actually going to happen. Um, and I mean, it's it's they're they're still they're still figuring things out in Brooklyn, right? But just if you look at just on a talent metric, and I think that's where a lot of this is going to get derived from because I the coaches pick the last spots, right? Is that? I have no clue. Okay, I. I feel like they've changed it like twelve times. I just miss I miss being I miss going to games and being able to punch the little holes <laughs> up in a box. That was that was that was my shit when I was when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I think I mean you know Harden's putting up numbers when he when he plays, and I think that also might that might that could also could be a reason when like that they keep him off because he was just a giant pain in the ass at Houston. I think he is trying to, he's trying to go on the publicity tour of like, not really apologizing, but trying to appear like he's apologizing. Cause he wants to make the all-star game. And I think that's, that's my, that's my uh, conspiracy theory right now. So don't say that people don't care about the all-star game, <laughs> uh, but they man, all probably man, have. It's the middle of a pandemic. I have nothing else to do. Well, yeah. And also uh, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, I'm sure there's some kickbacks in their contracts for all-star yeah. games. Right. So anyways, um, so those are, those are the two, the two guard spots I have. And then the wings, I'm, I, I actually did go with Jalen Brown. Um, and then I went with Chris Middleton as well. Um, both of them having, you know, 
hell of a year, um, despite, you know, not the, their teams might not aren't necessarily performing up to expectations. So I think that could hurt them. I think given maybe, I don't know if, if the fans have any say like that could be, that could be part of it. But um, I think, I think the, we've seen Jalen Brown become way more of a complete player this year, which is a compliment since he was already a really well-rounded player in years past. And I think that uh, just as a result, he deserves that, that nod. So Jimmy Butler is no longer your father, according to Brett. The thing with Butler, he's just missed too many games. I think that's fair. That's, uh, that's the only reason. If, if he had played more games, then, then uh, he, I would have had him on there. Got it. I, and I think that's, that's totally fair. It, it was really tough, honestly. Yeah. Like, when I started just like writing down the guys who I thought of, I had too like. I think to your point earlier about you need to talk about who they're going to replace because I had like I like typed out a name of like typed out a list of like twenty guys that I thought could all be all stars and then it's like oh you have to you have to make some decisions here right uh, do you want to kick us off with your West starting lineup yeah yeah so um so for for the Western Conference um I had Steph Curry LeBron uh, Jokic Kawhi Leonard and my start, my last starter would have been Damian Lillard, um, and which obviously was not the case because he um, he was replaced by Luka Doncic. Which, I mean, they're both going to make the All Star team, so it's not like one of them is getting snubbed. I mean, you lose the distinction of being an All Star starter, but I, I do think that Lillard is having a much better season, uh, and he's playing you know on a team that is not just shooting itself in the foot repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Um, but I, I, and I, I also think that like, you know, you, you would, you would guess that he kind of has the, the cred to be named a starter over Luca, but I'm not horribly mad about it since they're both going to make the team. Yeah. I, I actually, I had the exact same thing as you. Um, so I think we're totally on the same page there, but where, where the West becomes just a disaster is when you get to the, the reserves and I guess I'll start off with my with my bigs, um, which I again I had three. I guess well for one of these guys it could be four depending on how you define big. Sure. But, okay, so let's say let's say okay. So I, I think we both have Luca as like our another guy, and so let's say it's like six spots that we're going to debate yeah. about. So okay. I had uh, Anthony Davis and yep. Rudy Gobert, which I think are the two clear cut ones. But my third big was Carl Anthony Towns. Interesting. Did you yeah. have a third big? Um, TBD on if big actually applies. Okay. I think so we might be talking about the same guy. I think we're both talking about Zion. Yeah. Yeah. I had him too. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on, on Gobert and Davis, although Davis probably won't play. So there will be someone else thrown in. Sure. Um. I did. I honestly like didn't even just because Towns has missed so many games, um, is the is the like sticking point clearly for me is if you're actually healthy for the season, um, and like you know there's no there's no denying his his talent and obviously just all of the awful things that have happened to him and his family this year, um, but I don't know I just didn't have him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a that's a fair point. Yeah. But yeah, I think Gobert and Davis are easily like how how you would how you would kind of go after Jokic for for putting out All Star 
Okay, and then the other guys, so, and then, so we both have Zion, so that really, for me, left two spots, which, um, so I had McCollum and Paul George as my last two guys on here, um, and again, like, so, you know, to be completely clear, like, that, this leaves out, like, guys like Donovan Mitchell, this leaves off guys like, like Devin Booker. Um, you know, so there's good guys that, that didn't make this roster here. But I thought, I mean, McCollum's numbers are insane. And Paul George has has really had a good year, I think, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those were those were tough, tough om- omits on my on my end, um, for sure. Maybe less. I mean, McCollum had a good start before he fractured his foot. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you really can't you can't deny how he stepped up. Um, his game this year, especially really, I mean, really on the offensive end, but you know, he's still competing hard on, on the defensive end. And there's a really a lot to like about, about McCollum. Um, so I had, I did have Donovan Mitchell on mine. Um, you really, you really can't, can't deny how, how the jazz have really been humming. I know we'll get to that later. Um, and he's a huge part of it. Um, really, really stepped up his game this year. Um, then I had DeMar DeRozan on mine, on my list. Um, just really putting in the work under the radar. Um, the, the last true mid-range player, if you will. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Spurs the Spurs are going to be the Spurs this year. It's it's not a super talented team, but DeRozan, I think, has has, has played well enough to merit, merit that nod. And, man, I literally wrote two guys down for the last spot, and I can't – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Chris Paul over Mike Conley. Um you know, he, you, you alluded to Devin Booker and he had a really tough start to the season. He was not shooting well, wasn't playing well at all. Um, and Paul was kind of the driving force that kept a, I don't want to say surprising Suns team, but you know, it, a Suns team that's been better than any other Suns team in the last 10 years so far to this point throughout the season. Uh, he's been, he's been the guy really keeping them steady and he's playing really well. He's, I mean, He's still playing really great defense. Uh, he's directing directing traffic really well. He's knocking down shots when he needs to. Um, and for a team, you know, with, with Booker playing not up to his potential for the beginning of the year, and also Aiton has not taken another leap that people would have necessarily thought. Um, Paul's the reason that team's doing so well, and I think he deserves that that nod. All right. Well, that will conclude our All Star section. So. I think you have you have a uh, you have a couple of different perspectives here, but I hope you're taking notes so that you can use them at your uh, St. Patrick's Day family conversation that um, inevitably takes place uh, uh, in a different setting than it would in most normal years. I love I love my normal normal St. Patrick's Day conversations with the family. <laughs> With that said, it is time for us to move on. Uh, we're going to move now to the centerpiece of this segment, the fan favorite, uh, the Jeff Supon segment, um, where we talk about things that are average in our lives um, so that we can revel in just how indeed the average are, our lives are. So, Brett, uh, what's average in your life? All right. So I've been watching a lot of Big Ten basketball recently um, for obvious reasons. And, you know, you're – there's a reason that a lot of these guys that are doing the commentating are on big 10 network instead of ESPN or CBS or Fox or, you know, but I think that, and I want to talk about one guy in particular. I want to talk about Steven Bardo 
Um, and so I, you know, you, you watch enough of, of games that he, enough games that he's, he's doing and like, he's fine. You know, he, he's not going to do anything inflammatory. Um, but he really doesn't add much. He'll do a little bit of commentating about the game, but he always seems to have between five or six kind of preloaded facts. I'm guessing they're like on a piece of paper or on an iPad or something that he just like has ready to go, but like only that for each team. So like he'll talk about using Wisconsin as an example, like it's like, Oh, they're old. Their, their starting lineup is older than the average starting lineup of the bulls. And we'll say it like four times over the course of a game. And like every game that he does for Wisconsin. And he'll talk about, you know, how a team's shooting from three. And that that it's just like a stat. There's no an extra analysis of it. He just has a few little bits like ready to go for whenever he can insert them. And like doesn't expand upon them or change them at all over the course of the season. So, you know, or also to go back to Wisconsin, like there are four high school quarterbacks on Wisconsin's roster. It's like I hear it every game he does, and that's all he says. No, no exp- no expounding on like oh, this guy won a state championship or like, I, you know, any, anything like that. It's just like a very little neat packaged thing that doesn't really add anything to the game, but it does not take away. So it's not like I'm watching Dockage or like anyone that I really can't stand, but it's just like, why, like, why? So Steven Bardos, the Jeff Supon of college basketball announcers. He, I think he really I like is. And, he really and- is. Like, he's fine. Like I'm never mad when I'm doing a game, but it's just like, I don't need to really pay attention to what he's saying. All right. Well, a Steven Bardo, you know, yeah, you have a chance to respond. So feel free to come on the podcast to to talk about the slander that, um, Brett is saying about you. I'm not slandering. He's fine. It's just, you know, well, what I was about to say was some of us would consider, uh, being awarded the Jeff Supon segment slander. Some of us would consider it <laughs> uh, just short yeah, of their number one. Okay. So, yeah, I can't, I can't fight you on that one. Um, so we hope, we hope we get him on here. So I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. Um, I'm in the market for a car. So I've been doing some... Whoa, <laughs> some big, big news dropping on the pod. Yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I've been doing some searching for... Uh, for what kind of car I am going to purchase. And here is my biggest realization. They're all the same and they all cost about around the same thing. Uh, You can haggle a little, but they're all the same. Even if they're not the same, they're all the same. Um, And someone like my brother, for example, would most certainly debate that to (laughs) the death. There's an insight to the industry. Honestly, you want like a good used car, you're going to get like the same brands at around the same price and you're just going to, cars are average. I think that's my, like like the the car that a normal person is going to want to get is, is they're all average. Um, that's really my takeaway. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get a car to, to go from point A to point B, which are just as generic of a name as you could, you could really think for a place. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think, I do think the important, uh, qualifier there is the used car market because i don't think a ferrari is like as you know a new well, suv yeah jeff right we're talking about, we're talking about i know i know jeff level people here no no, no that's true, that's true. Like, that's and like, and it, but no that's why i said that's why i said that you including the, the word used is an important qualifier i think i think that makes it even more average so i think i think you did a good job there that's oh, well, i appreciate that that's all i strive to do is do a good job on this segment yeah um 
All right, so we're gonna we're gonna move now back to regularly scheduled topic content. Have a couple of rapid fire things that we want to talk about here um, in the basketball world, so that you guys are prepared. And say, for example, which I know this isn't the case for most of our listeners, but say the All Star Game is the first uh, game that you'll watch in the NBA this season, and you want to know, hey, what's going on in the league? Well, we can give you a little bit of a taste of it here. So we're going to jump right in. The Utah Jazz appear to be the best team in the league this year. Um, and really, that is my question, Brett. Are the Jazz the best team in the NBA this year? Um, I mean, there's two ways to look at this, right? Like, You can look at it just by aggregating the talent they have on their roster, in which case the answer is most likely no. Or you can aggregate how they've been playing this year, and the answer is possibly yes. I mean, in a year where we've seen other teams that are really – you know, the presumptive title favorites kind of have a slow start. Not title favorites, but like teams we would expect to see in the finals um, are having a, you know, a relatively slow start to the season. You know, the Bucks started off off kind of poorly. The Nets are still figuring things out. Um, I mean, you've got the Clippers and the Lakers that are playing really well. But, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with an 80, 80% winning percentage, right? Like, yeah. Well, and I mean, I think the thing about the Jazz as well is that an underrated part of them, I think, is they, they weren't in the bubble for that long. Like, they had a heartbreaking, you know, loss in that first-round series to Denver. But, like, yeah. it's, they're probably not as tired as some of the teams that advanced a little bit further. Yeah. Um, and they got healthier, right? Like, because, you know, they got Boyan back. And so, um, but the thing that always strikes me the most about the Jazz, and I actually saw them, I saw them in person. Believe it or not, I watched one of their few... 2020 games in person when they came and played the Bulls here and they and that was without Conley and they moved the ball beautifully like yeah. better than any other team and I know we, we haven't gotten to Jordan Clarkson yet but like they played beautiful basketball they're honestly like one of and I know like there's some great talent in the league that does stuff one-on-one but they play beautiful team basketball yeah and that's the big thing right I mean you're a team like Utah you're never gonna let's let's face it you're never gonna be able to get the star free agent acquisitions you think you might deserve, especially having a team of this caliber. So you really have to focus on playing five guys as one. You can't really focus on just, all right, let's run Donovan off a bunch of screens and have him make a play in ISO. Like you need to be able to move the ball and get it to your, get it to your shooters, get it to your playmakers. Like, and they're, they're doing it. I mean, they are. And so, yeah, you, you have that really like, I'd probably call it almost Spursy in, level of ball movement and the, the the important thing is Quince you know I think Quinn Snyder's been there long enough so every and most of their core has been there long enough so it's there's the buy-in and I think that's important when you're dealing when you're in a market like Utah is having full buy-in to the coach's system and believing in each other and I know you know everyone was, was worried kind of ro- rolling into this year it's like are all our Donovan and Rudy going to be okay and it seems to be seems to be all right so yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's working there so far. So it will be interesting to see if they keep this up. But they, they look really good. I also think I saw one stat last night, too, that I was telling you about them. Um, they, 92% of their minutes played this year were, have been played by players who were on their roster last year. So they basically had no roster turnover, yeah. uh, which is huge for continuity, especially in this kind of jagged year. Right. Um, Moving, moving east now, Brett. If the playoffs started today, I believe the Knicks would be in it. Um, um, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm fact checking you on that. I think yes, they are currently the seven seed. Yeah, so I guess they'd be in the playing tournament, but um, in it, in it, regardless, um, what what do we make of this? I mean, the biggest revelation on this season for the Knicks has to be Julius Randle, and hence why I you know, why we both included him on our on our All Star lists. But I mean, this team really doesn't like. There's not that much relative talent on this team. Well, like, the, the thing that I'll say, though, is, and again, like, I probably checked this, like, two weeks ago, but the Knicks, I think, are, like, leading the league in team defense. And so it, it's almost as if Tom Thibodeau has relearned how to coach defense again. And, you know, uh, are you fact-checking me on that? Uh, no, I'm fact-checking. I'm pulling up some, some other stuff. Okay, but uh, um, regardless, they're at the top of the league in team defense. And I think... Right. What he's gotten them to do is, you know, they're, they're an athletic group there, and he's gotten them to fight, grit, grind, and muck up games, which is hard to do, you know, when scoring is kind of up across the league. And that's really, like, how they're, how they're doing this at the end of the day. I mean, like, Quigley's been kind of a nice revelation. Um, and as, you know, you said, Julius Randle. But they're just – and, like, Barrett's been fine. So there's, there's really not, like, that much there with these guys. But, um, you know, as we talk about, like, I feel like we've been talking about this ever since we created this podcast. That's all you need to make the playoffs in the East. True. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, I mean, uh, if guys like Randall and Barrett can handle the workload the entirety of the season, Randall's playing 37 minutes a game. Barrett's playing 34. Um, Hello, Tom Thibodeau. Well, exactly. I mean, we knew that was assuming they could find anybody that was worth a damn playing basketball, we knew that was going to happen. Tibbs is not going to expand his bench if he doesn't need to, potentially to his detriment. And we'll see if Randall and Barrett can handle, I mean, Randall's averaging 23 and 11 right now with five, with five and a half assists. He's having a career year. Will he be able to play 72 games in a condensed season at that number of minutes? We don't know. This feels like that Amari 2010 year where, like, he just he broke down at the end. Right. I mean, uh, and for, granted, I mean, you know, Randall doesn't have Amari's knees, but, you know, R.J. Barrett's 20. He's never come close to playing this many meaningful games before. Like, is it is that going to last? He's still I mean, he's actually shooting. Barrett's actually shooting a, a little bit better from the field this year. Um, so he's, he's got a little more continuity or a little more um, just um, consistency. Thank you. Um but I mean, the big thing is going to see how they long-term mitigate the, the loss of Mitchell Robinson. The only other big guys on their roster are Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. Is is that going to win you games down the stretch of the season? Nerlens. I mean, we'll probably see more, we'll probably see more lineups with Randall at the five, surrounded by like R.J. Barrett, Reggie Bullock, Rivers, and Alec Burks. Right? Like, there's. Once you start kind of thinking about that down the stretch in games that matter, you I start getting a little worried. However, the other thing is the teams that are currently chasing them right now, the Hornets are in eighth, the Bulls are in ninth. The Heat, the Heat will turn things around, I think, with, with Butler and, and, and Bam and everybody healthy. But then you've got the Hawks, the Magic, and the Wizards, and the Cavs, and the Pistons. Like, the Knicks are going to end up in that 10 spot or higher, I think. Otherwise... It's a crime against basketball, which the Knicks are certainly capable of. 
<laughs> All right. Um, enough Knicks for today. <laughs> now, was, that, was that good for you? <laughs> yeah. I, I had nothing more to add to that. All right. Reverting back to the West now. All right. The, there's been a lot of like MVP chatter with LeBron this year, you know, deservedly so. I think there are like people that thought he should have won it last year. Um, mm-hmm. But an underrated person who's just been really, really good this year. And I know it's like it's a stacked MVP race, but I want to talk about what Steph Curry's doing because, like, you know, it, it, he, he I, I know, you know, the, the fall from grace for the Warriors has been like choppy over the last couple of years, just with like Clay and everything and all the injuries. And Steph's injuries in particular, but man, like he's been balling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah, he's he's not quite single-handedly carrying them, uh, but he's he's having a hell of a season. And in a in a year where I don't think anybody would really blame him for just kind of packing up and and chilling. Well, yeah, and I think though, like, I mean, would. Is there like serious consideration for him at MVP because he's he's sniffing a a fifty forty uh, ninety year? He's shooting forty nine point two percent from the field, forty two point five from three, and ninety three percent from the free throw line. Yeah, so if 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 you're looking at odds markets right now for the MVP, which basically, I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but it's probably as close as you're going to get to any consensus on on what people think and are actually investing in um he currently has is tied for the fourth best odds with with luca right now and i think that's at this point in the season is more than fair right i mean we're seeing otherworldly seasons from Embiid and Jokic right now um but given the proclivity of of the nba to not give the award to big men you're you're looking at lebron in the field at this point is that is that like a fair? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I think Embiid's pretty like Embiid because of the market he's in. Like, and I, I think Embiid is neck and neck with LeBron right now. In my, opinion. I, I would love nothing more than one of than someone that hasn't won it to one to win it this year. Like, and I, you know, both the both the big men in that are that are that high in in Jokic and Embiid are I would be more than deserving if the season ended today. I think. Um, but you you can't you can't count out Steph. I mean, the, I think if the Warriors end up, you know, five seed, six seed, then I think the discussion really gets going. But if if he was handed the MVP, I don't, I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, no, I would. I just, I, I want to prepare everyone for. This. I know a lot of people would be, and I know several of them. But like, I mean. Dude's averaging, yeah, 30 points. Like, he's not really getting a ton of help from his teammates. It's it's a, it's a pretty masterful season so far. Yeah, I, they're just, like, Andrew Wiggins is just so funny to watch at times, um, as is Mr. Oubre. Um, but James Wiseman's the dude. But anyway, you know, I'm sure there'll be more Warriors conversation throughout the, the podcast this season. But, yeah, you know, Steph Curry balling. Uh, all right, I think for the sake of time, we're going to move on to our final segment here, um, which is the the fan favorite, Fire That Guy. Um, Brett, I'm going to let you finish us off here, so I'm going to go first with who I'm firing. So um, I, I am not typically in the business of firing, um, you know, workers such as like Uber and Lyft drivers, but I do want to talk about an experience I had with an Uber driver 
um, the other day, which was partially my fault. But I think um, I think this this only merits mention just because it was such a god awful decision that he made. So, okay, um, I was. And, and this is my mistake, but I got in an Uber last weekend um, while it was snowing out because I was going to do something. And the um, the there were like one of two ways that you could get to the place that I was going. You could take kind of not side streets, but you could take like, um, you know, like main Chicago streets and kind of like work your way. Um, to my destination or the the faster route according to uber but the slightly like one that was a little bit out of the way was to kind of take lakeshore drive and then like take it to take it to the interstate and i was basically trying to get from like the east side of the city to the southwest side of the city and my uber driver made the call as you know we, we got i got right in the car you know, live right by Lakeshore Drive and got in the car and he made the decision to do side streets as, you know, we're sliding around in this thing and, you know, the streets are just miserable. And that decision probably cost me like literally 20 minutes on that ride out there because the roads were so bad. And, you know, it's actually interesting because he, he asked me, he's like, do you mind if I like he saw the GPS like routing him on this weird route out of the way, but on on roads that were going to be plowed, and he was like, "No, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do the more direct way." Like, is that okay with you? And I'm like, I I, I, I it's my fault for not speaking up, but I was like, you know, you can do whatever you want, and so because it is a free country, right, Brett? Um, <laughs> and, if you say so. And at the end of the day, I lost a, a bunch of time and still had to pay a that was higher than what I wanted. So I, all in all, um, I think it is a fireball offense given everything that went down there. But, you know, we're being generous today, so uh, I don't know that I'll fully fire him. But uh, anyway, I had to get that, that off my chest. So, Brett, I hope you have one that's a little bit better. Uh, oh, man. All right. So I'm going to fire someone that I have previously been a huge proponent of, and I'm actually going to stay in the same universe as – uh, my Supon segment. So it's a lot of college basketball media talk. Um, you, you know, every so often, and I, I don't know, I think, I think the pandemic already, it was already lessening my tolerance for what John Rothstein brings to the table. But the statement that he made, I think it was, this, honestly, time doesn't mean anything to me anymore. But the last straw for me with John Rothstein is when he was going on Twitter and just ranting and calling Jalen Johnson a quitter. Um, for those of you who don't know, Jalen Johnson, Duke player, opted out of the season to focus on the NBA draft. And it's not just Rothstein. It was a take I was seeing around, uh, I mean, the sports media in general. But, like, okay, so basically, like, Duke, Duke sucks this year. Most likely will not make the tournament unless they win the ACC tournament. Jalen Johnson, most likely going to be a lottery pick, decided he'd had enough and was going to focus on the – the upcoming NBA draft as is his prerogative to do, because, you know, his draft stock has, he has taken a, maybe a little bit of a hit, uh, just given Duke struggles this year. Um, but it's also, no one really knows because no one's really been able to get great evals on a lot of these guys. So I think that just piling on a kid for making what's essentially a business decision is not only just awful, but like 
it just speaks to the fact that the the, the media guys that are making these sorts of comments really want to keep their access to the coaches and make sure that they're putting the coaches' viewpoints potentially out there. I mean, and you have weird stuff like Jim Beheim went out and said some weird shit too. But like, there's no there's no reason to pile on an, eight, an 18, 19 year old kid who, in the middle of a global pandemic, made a decision that was in his own best interest when you're playing for an institution that does not love you back and a system that does not love you back and will not compensate you, especially if you suffer some sort of drastic injury. So, you know, everyone, everyone does things for a reason. And like, I'm sure his teammates aren't super happy with him, but like going out of his way to like call somebody a quitter is, is a step too far. I believe. I do. not agree with you. Um, I love John Rothstein, but I also think that, I guess the thing that I'll say, and I know this is a little bit more serious of a topic, but I do think um, you know, Jalen Johnson has every right to make the decision that he, he did, yeah. but actions have consequences. How you, how you take those actions have consequences. And if I were, a, if I were an NBA exec, it would give me a little bit of pause seeing this guy quit on this team and wonder if he would do the same if he's on my team. Um, and so I, I do think the criticism that he's gotten for that decision has been fair. Uh, but everyone's, I think, entitled to their own opinion on that. I, I, I just think that, like, the NBA guys that are making the decisions about draft picks have way more to consider than him walking out on a team with five minutes or with five games left, like, to to go out of your to Look, look, look No, I, no I'm, I'm just saying, like, but you know, guys have guys have gotten drafted higher with worse red flags. Right, but there's plenty of lottery picks that aren't doing what he did. I like. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, not everyone's as talented here, as he is. Here, here's what. Here's what, Here's how I frame it. Like, Duke. If, if Duke weren't sucking this year, would you have made that decision? Like, no. Um, no one knows. So, you know, probably not. Um, you know, is is that a sign that like if he's on a team that sucks, he's going to quit too? Like. I, you have to at least entertain that question. I'm not saying that it is right, but I mean that's what that's why you do. do I mean, obviously, we're not going to have the due diligence that these teams will do on. They don't, you know, they'll they'll do their their research and homework. They'll talk to Coach K. They'll they'll really dig in to see if this guy's worth a multi million dollar investment. And I'm guessing that someone in the top sixteen picks will say, or top fourteen picks will say yes. You know, yeah, like talent awesome. can get you out of a lot of. And granted, you, it's not like, huh? That is also true. Yes. Yeah, it's not. It's not like he was setting the world on fire, and that might be part of it. Also, just given you know he was struggling to the year, but like, especially given the mental toll that I believe that this season specifically has taken on a lot of players, not able to see their families, not able to really have a true collegiate experience, not really able to do anything besides play basketball for a system that is not compensating them. Like this season in a vacuum is gonna, also going to have way different reactions. Yes, but I think I think you don't like he's the only player that's done this. Um, I mean, there are. I mean, other other players have opted out. He's just the highest profile player to have done this. Yeah, but like, look, I mean, there's there's high draft eligible players all throughout the Big Ten on good teams that are still playing because you I don't know. think there are that many high draft eligible players on any Big Ten teams. I mean, like. You know, Franz Franz Wagner is, and he could have. Like, no one's a lottery pick in the Big Ten. Um, 
I mean, but whether you're a lottery pick or like a fringe first round pick, the like what what you have to gain and lose, like it's the order. I, I, the order of magnitude though is so much higher for the for the higher draft picks though. Like, I mean, you know, five to five to twelve is millions. Yeah, he might have more to lose, but like you know, Franz might like Franz on a percentage basis still has like a lot to lose by sucking this. Draft. I'm not. I'm not saying that anybody has. Yeah. I'm not saying that nobody has, you know, that these guys don't have anything to lose. I'm just saying there's, it's a whole different world from, from 14 and up to, to 14 and down. Yeah, very true. But and, yeah. I mean, you know, there's also different, you know, everyone's, everyone's family has different, different goals and, and objectives and advice and not everyone's getting that same, same deal. And, but also, you know, as, as a, as a frequent one and done factory, like Duke is at, at this point, it's, it's just a whole different ballgame, I think. So I, I just, you know, let the, let the kid live. That's that's it. Let him make his own decision, or start or start paying or start paying them, and then you can actually criticize people. So he's like, look, I I I don't agree with that last statement, but I think the point being is he's like, I hope he doesn't like if he here's here's what I'll say, like this decision should not like. He, he'll have to be okay with living with the consequences that potentially come with this decision. Will there be, like, significant ones? You know, probably unlikely not. But, gosh, if it were me there, I would, I, I, like, I don't, me as an evaluator, I don't know that my take would be that dissimilar than Rothstein's. Being like, do I really want this kid on my team? But at the end of the day, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's just one piece, you know, of his right, profile right. and so you know um you know you have to take that with with every other thing that you evaluate when you evaluate him um i think we'll we'll leave it at that for now um and wrap things up for today we appreciate uh you tuning in um we got a lot of excitement coming up here in the basketball world with uh with the all-star game kind of coming up shortly and then we'll have our annual march madness podcast coming up soon as well which we know is a super fun one to do. Um, and then, you know, the second half NBA schedule is coming out soon as well. Um, and that'll get started after the All-Star game. So a lot of fun NBA stuff going on here. Um, and tra- trade deadline as well. Which we, we, oh, uh, man. Can't wait Can't wait for our trade deadline special. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, anyway, uh, thanks again for listening. And we'll see you guys next time.